The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Bowl & Branch. Getting a great night's sleep is easier and more affordable than you think. Go to bowlandbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. Promo code BIGIDEA. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, April 9th. In today's news, North Korea says it will discuss denuclearization with the United States. Facebook suspends another data analytics firm. And farmers are panicking about becoming pawns in Trump's trade war. But first, the big idea. President Trump is telegraphing military action against Syria. The likelihood of a United States strike against Syria after a suspected chemical weapons attack increased on Sunday, as the president said there would be a, quote, big price to pay, and officials in France vowed the country would do its duty in responding. There will be an emergency meeting of the United Nations Security Council on Monday that has been called by nine different countries. Several prominent Republicans have urged Trump to act and to reconsider his plan to draw down the 2,000 U.S. troops in-country. Senator Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, called this a, quote, defining moment in Trump's presidency that demands follow-through. Even before the lawmakers spoke, Trump himself hinted that a military strike might be at hand if the use of chemical weapons by Syrian government forces is verified. As grisly images emerged showing bodies of babies in basements and bloodied survivors at hospitals in eastern Ghouta, Trump made a rare criticism of Russian President Vladimir Putin on Twitter. He said Putin shares blame for the deaths because of his country's support of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Trump also blamed his predecessor, Barack Obama, for not following through on his threat that Assad's chemical weapon use would be a red line that would not be tolerated. Assad has never been a high priority for Trump. Trump was willing to be involved in Syria so long as the fight against the Islamic State was going on, but not much more. He announced last week that the U.S. military role in Syria was, quote, coming to a rapid end. John McCain, the Arizona Republican senator who's recuperating at home after last year's brain cancer diagnosis, said that there's a direct connection between Trump's words last week and the latest chemical attack. A year ago, Trump also had to do an about-face on Syria. Last week was the first anniversary of a sarin attack that killed more than 80 Syrians. That occurred shortly after the administration said it did not believe removing Assad from power was a priority. Three days after the attack, Trump ordered a missile strike on the Syrian airfield that had been used by planes that dropped the sarin. White House Homeland Security Advisor Tom Bossert said Sunday that when he heard of this weekend's attack, that was the first thing he thought of. Nothing, he added, should be taken off the table. The crisis in Syria is escalating at a pivotal moment for the White House's national security team. John Bolton, a noted hawk, begins work today as Trump's national security advisor. On Thursday, CIA Director Mike Pompeo has a confirmation hearing before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on his nomination to be Secretary of State. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump administration officials say North Korea has confirmed its willingness to discuss denuclearization ahead of next week's potential meeting between the president and Kim Jong-un. The message from Pyongyang is the first reassurance that Kim is committed to meeting Trump since the president agreed to see him last month. But there are reasons not to get too hopeful. The regime offered no details about its negotiating position, and U.S. officials have noted that North Korea has violated every past agreement. 
Foreign policy analysts also warn that the Kim regime defines the concept of denuclearization very differently than the United States does. North Korea has long sought the removal of all U.S. troops from the Korean Peninsula, as well as an agreement that the U.S. will no longer protect allies like South Korea and Japan. Previous administrations have rejected these demands out of hand. Number two, Facebook has suspended another analytics firm after reports emerged that it used similar data collection techniques as Cambridge Analytica. The firm, called CubeU, misleadingly labeled its online quizzes as, quote, nonprofit academic research experiments. Then they shared user data with marketers. The company also sold data that had been collected by researchers working in a lab at Cambridge University. That's exactly what Cambridge Analytica did, too. Facebook did nothing to stop CubeU until CNBC pointed out the problem. It's a sign of how much work the platform still has to do. Meanwhile, ex-employees of the Federal Trade Commission expect that Facebook is going to end up facing record fines of a billion dollars or more for leaving user data vulnerable. Chief Executive and Founder Mark Zuckerberg has meetings on Capitol Hill today. He'll testify before two Senate committees tomorrow during a joint hearing and a House committee on Wednesday. Number three, many of the farmers who helped propel Trump to the presidency are now worried about becoming pawns in his escalating trade war with China, which threatens the markets for soybeans, corn, and other lifeblood crops in the upper Midwest. When China threatened a 25% tariff on soybeans, for example, Mike Pettifish, who grows the crop over 2,000 acres in Minnesota, feared the worst. Soybeans are a $2 billion business in the state. He said that a 40-cent drop in soybean prices, like we saw just one day last week, meant $50,000 of value evaporating out of his own bottom line. It may seem like a lot, and it is, but he also has a lot of costs. Soybean farmers are already barely breaking even, and this year was already looking tough for a host of reasons. Now the retaliatory tariffs from Beijing could put a lot of hardworking farmers in Minnesota underwater. This is putting Republicans in a difficult spot of having to side with Trump, who remains popular with the Republican base, while also acknowledging the economic peril of his policies to many of their constituents. In southern Minnesota, Jim Hagerdorn is the Republican candidate for a competitive House race. He says voters should keep their faith in Trump to do the right thing on tariffs, even though the district is heavily dependent on pork and soybeans two products that are likely to suffer mightily because of Trump's trade war. Bigger picture. For much of 2017, Republicans sought to portray Democrats as unhinged by the president and overly obsessed with scandal. The new trade war has allowed rural Democrats to pivot, advocating stability against a backdrop of threats and confusion. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, April 9th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. I'll talk to you tomorrow.